with fully dependent hearts on you, wanting to fully experience your presence this morning. God, all that you have to offer, we want it. God, we want to jump into that this morning. So would you quiet our hearts of distraction? Would you let your peace be in this place, God? And would you let there just be a fire burning in our hearts this morning as we worship you with everything that we are? Would you prepare our hearts for the coming of your son? In Jesus' name we pray. from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord,
Amen. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. (coughs) Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolute remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit.
It's a name that's so much higher than all these. And all honor to your name. We give honor to your name. It's the name that's so much greater than all things. So we lift it up. And we lift it higher.
repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
week we'll be honoring the society or the uh, food pantry. Anyone involved with the food pantry, come on up. That includes about everybody here, I think. <laughs> A good portion of them. <laughs> Jane, Christian, and you know, there's three people I'm going to mention too that uh, that probably won't come up because they haven't been here in a while. But that's Kristen and Katie, and then Micah. Uh, when we were down, to, it was Kelly and I basically, and uh, those three came in and just were there every week. Christian was another one. T- I mean, not Christian, but Gavin, but he's not here, I don't think. And uh, those three really stepped in and, and helped us out for a while. And then Father Jim jumped in and uh, really gave us a boost. And then we got quite a few more volunteers. So thank you very much. Stephen Shannon. Okay, good. And anyone else we didn't leave out, we're sorry. But uh, thank you for your help. We really appreciate it. You know what, uh, Jane, you want to light the wreath for us, please? Thank you, Jane. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show us your mercy, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Children, if you would come up, please. Pray for our children. beginning at verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. 
Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the peoples. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 72. Please respond by the half verse. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness, and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy, and will break in pieces the oppressed. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing. In his days the righteous shall flourish an abundance of peace. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and it This morning, This morning's second reading comes from the book of Romans. Chapter 15, verse 4 through 7 and 13. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Matthew chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and, say, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Adam as our our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. Then he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, good Christ. Good morning. We are drawing to the end of our Exodus series. We've got this week and next week. This week we're going to summarize the life of one of the greatest men to ever walk the earth. That is Moses. And it's fascinating to me as I was thinking about this this morning, uh, how did God communicate himself to us throughout Scripture? He found people who were willing to say yes to what he was doing, and then he had others record their stories that we might learn not a list of rules and a list of ideas, but a pathway to become a man or a woman of God. It really hit me this morning how our culture is so bankrupt because we don't have heroes. In fact, if you find a hero it is almost guaranteed that within the course of their career or lifetime, they will have an enormous scandal, they will go crazy, or something will come out to find out, oh, they weren't heroic at all. Now, I will say that most of the problem is the people we're picking. Uh, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, uh, celebrities, athletes, I mean... I understand that there can be amazing celebrities and athletes, but we're using the wrong yardstick for influence in our life. 
We need to find people that we can look up to and model our lives after. That's actually the way that human beings are wired. If you think you can figure out everything you need to know between your ears by reading or by studying your job or whatever, and you're never looking with admiration towards those people with great character, those people who have gone before, those stories of how people have suffered and overcome hardship by the power of the Holy Spirit, well then guess what? You have made yourself a god. You've made your own ability to understand the world the only thing that you will serve. So as we look at Moses this morning, we get to see a man who lived his life for God. A man who made mistakes like every one of us, but a man who showed us the path to live for God. And today, what, is, what are we talking about in this Advent sermon or in this Advent Sunday? We're talking about preparing the way of the Lord. So who of you is going out and buying cobblestone so that we can make a pathway for him to get to St. Michael's? None of us, because we understand that's not what it's talking about. But I do think that we misunderstand still what that means. Because prepare the way for the Lord doesn't mean to be like John the Baptist. It doesn't mean to go out into the world and say, Jesus is coming, prepare the way of the Lord, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At least it doesn't only mean that. Absolutely there is a call to tell the world that the kingdom of heaven is here. But what John the Baptist was doing is he was preaching to us. And what was the pathway that he was telling these people to follow? It was prepare the way of the Lord in your own heart and in your own life. Each of us is looking with anticipation towards Christmas. What are you doing to move the stuff out of the way so that Jesus can show up in your life? That's my question this morning. And as we look at Moses, I'm asking myself the same question. What are the things that I'm holding on to that I need to move out of the way to prepare the way of the Lord in my life? So when we talk about, we're not going to go over Moses' whole story. We've been doing that for weeks, but we're going to touch on the last couple of things that we hear about Moses. The crucial moments that led to his death and guess what guys he didn't get to go to the promised land we've been going through this entire exodus and moses has been our central character moses and the people of israel and we're saying we're getting to the promised land and i have the uh the good fortune misfortune to tell you today that moses doesn't make it so let's talk about what happened in his life that he simultaneously is the hero to look up to And the hope for us sinners. He's both, right? We want to imitate him and take heart because he messed up. We do too. God is the main character in this story, in Moses' life, and in ours. So let's start in Exodus, and let's actually pick up. This is last time you heard me preach on this series. We were talking about the golden calf. And so what you know happened is God... Moses goes up the mountain. He receives the handwritten Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. He comes back down, and the people of Israel have already made a god to follow out of a a golden calf. We talked about the ridiculousness of it, the fact that what was the problem there? The problem wasn't that they were looking for another god. It was that they were making Yahweh, the god of all, the god that saved them from Egypt, into 
their own idea of who God was in a golden calf. And so they've sinned greatly because they said this calf, this little thing that we made, saved us from Egypt. They attributed to the calf the things that God did. And so this is the great sin that we're going to encounter here when we pick up with Moses. He's talking to the people. He's already slain 3,000 people in the course of that reconciliation, trying to bring them back to God. And now he's talking to them and he says, The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to Yahweh. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. I kind of think about like, I'm just making this up. I don't think this ever happened. But it's like if my mom came downstairs and saw me doing something wrong, like, I don't know. uh, Let's see here. Maybe I was deleting the Cowboys game off the DVR and my dad. And she comes down and says, this great sin you have done. I will go to your father and try to make atonement. That he may, and perhaps I will figure, like there's a real sense of danger here, right? There's a real sense that if Moses fails, then God's going to wipe him off the face of the earth. I do like to think that my mom and dad both have saved me from one another over the years. I survived today. But the question is, Moses is going to talk to God because the people have abandoned him. And God in his justice, is considering wiping them from the face of the planet and making his own people out of Moses. He's like, Moses, don't worry. I'll just make you my chosen people. And we know he can do it. He started with one. So we're looking here, and we see Moses, and he goes up. And this is such a powerful prayer. He returns to Yahweh, and he says, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. This is the hero that we want to look to when we think of Joseph, or Joseph, Moses. When we think of Moses, we want to think about the guy who said, I would rather be blotted out of your book than that the people should perish. And immediately, we've heard the word atonement here, we should be thinking of Jesus. Moses got it up here and in here. Moses got the heart of God. So that even when God said, I'm going to wipe him off of the face planet, let's go, Moses. He's inviting him to go on this plan. Moses said, no, God, that's not what you want. You want to show mercy and I'll take the fall. That is the heart of a hero. The man who is willing, even when he has been unjustly used, even when he's been disobeyed, even when he's done his best to represent God to the people and they have rejected him, he says, I'll take the blame. I will shoulder the burden, the responsibility. And each of us should think as we prepare the way for Jesus, how are we doing that for those around us? Are we taking on the burden of sin in our culture, or are we condemning everyone to hell? All I'm saying is maybe we need to shift our perspective a little bit. Because God has shown through Moses here, and later through Jesus, that his interest is to save the world, not to condemn it. Now, Yahweh's response here. there's still a consequence to their actions. And so as we go forward here, when Yahweh says, 
okay, fine, I won't wipe them off of the face of the planet. This is what I will do. This is the consequence. He says to, Yo- to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So what's going on here? He's saying, I can send you to the promised land, but because you have chosen idolatry over me, you don't get me. You don't get my presence because you chose another God. If you will be my people, I will be your God. But if you won't, I can't. That's the invitation to all of us. That's why it says you have life and death before you. Will you choose God to be your God or will you run after other gods? But what's going on in this historically is God was making the people of Israel into the promised land people. We've been talking about this for a while. The reason why it took 40 years in the desert is because those slaves who had been slaves for 400 years couldn't move into the promised land without turning it into another Egypt. Because they needed to learn the ways of God, the ways of Yahweh. They needed to unlearn that slavery. The very same way each of us was saved when we were slaves in our sins and trespasses. And our whole life is God teaching us to be the people of the kingdom of God. The people who can live in freedom. God has a plan. Both with these people and with us. And the point of what he's saying here is, you rejected my plan. And so you can have the promises, because I'm a man of my word, but you don't get to have me. And this is the perfect moment where Moses, who has already been dealing with these people for months, even years, in the desert. And trust me, these Israelites have not been nice to him, as we all know. He had this opportunity to go and experience the land of milk and honey, the promises of God without God. But he knew the heart of God, and he knew what was important. And so how did Moses respond? And I would argue that this is actually the moment why Moses is the hero of the faith that he is. This was the crucial choice in his entire life. You can have all the promises of God, everything you've been hoping for. I won't give with you, but I'll send an angel before you. What did Moses say? If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. You can have the house. You can have the car. You can have the family. You can have the husband. You can have the this. You can have the that. All the things, the job, whatever God has promised you, but I won't be there. And Moses said, no, I want you. Because what's the point? of what God is teaching the Israelites. He's teaching them that even when you have all of the promised land, you need to remember that I am the promise. The true promise of the Israelites is if you will be my people, I will be your God. The promise of the land of Canaan is linked to that, but it is not the central thing. The central thing is if you will be my people, I will be your God. Advent is... A shell game. It's a confusing time for us, I think, as Christians. Because, as Father Powell alluded to last week, we're told it's a semi-penitential season where you have to really get your heart right. 
But everything in our culture and everything around is anticipation because Santa is coming. Because the Jesus baby is coming. Because the festivities are coming. So how do you balance this, oh, I need to repent and prepare the way of the Lord. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. He's going to burn up the chaff with this anticipation of joy. Well, I would argue that the way you do it is you focus on the real thing. If you get caught up focusing on how you might get a new iPod this Christmas, I'm aware they don't make iPods anymore, but let's just use that as an example. Uh, If you get caught up focused on the things, the promised things, then you will miss the person. And if you focus on the things, then what are you going to be doing this next month? You're going to be running around just malls and shopping centers and trying to get that extra Christmas bonus or trying to work those extra hours so you can afford the things, and you'll be blind to the person. And it's the same game that God's playing with Moses here. You can have the things, but you won't have me. But Moses was watching. You know what a shell game is where they have the little cups and they're moving the ball around, and God moves this one forward. You can have this. And the cup represents the promised land. And Moses, no, I want the real thing. Where is the ball that you're hiding? That's the presence of Jesus. So today, this week, this month, as we're going towards Christmas, don't get caught in the shell game. Don't get caught ranting at God in line for that one thing that you have to buy or in traffic or when you look at your bank account and you realize how much money you've spent. Whatever it is that makes you stress, that makes you, brings that anxiety Don't get caught in the shell game. Remember the real thing. Prepare the way of the Lord because Jesus himself is coming. Praise God. Jesus is coming in each of our lives. In fact, we spend 40 hours a week so that we can afford the things. But we struggle to spend 15 minutes a day so we can meet the person. Just something I thought. We should think about. And this moment in Moses' life where he chooses God over the promises, this moment is when he says, please show me your glory. And God says yes. So maybe a precondition for seeing God is choosing him instead of the promise. Maybe a precondition for being the type of person who can have his face transformed to reflect the glory of God, as Moses did, where he came off the mountain and it was so bright he had to put a veil on because the glory of God was so present in him. Maybe that requires you choosing God instead of the things. There's a great quote, I didn't pull it up, but the sum of it is, We want good without God, and God says, I am the good. We often try and find our end around. I want my happiness and pleasure without the cost. And God says, no, the cost brings, it's it's there. Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. So when we try and contrast this anticipation of hope and the semi-penitential season and, you know, woe is me, repent, and yes, Christmas is coming, those are necessarily connected. You can't have one without the other. Your hope without cost will lead to an empty, unfulfilled promise. If you focus on the things, then you'll open them up on Christmas, 
And you might get that little high. Oh, wow, that was so great. But you'll miss the person, the fulfillment. Now, the things are great. Santa's great. Christmas is great. The anticipation is great. But remember that anything worth having or doing costs something. And God's not so concerned with giving you the promised land as he is with making you a promised land people. Because when you become a promised land people, it doesn't matter where you are, you will carry the presence of God with you. I'd rather have God in the desert than no God in the land flowing with milk and honey. That's the choice before us every day. So Moses says, God, show me your glory. He's up on the mountain, and God says, you can't see my face. You'll see my back. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass by. But he kept saying, you can't see my face, though. No one can see your face. And then we have the great Christmas passage, probably my favorite Christmas passage, which is John 1, which I'm a theology nerd, so it's probably not your favorite one, but it's the one where it's like the Word came, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was in the beginning, and Word, Word, Word. We're going to read a little part of this because it references exactly why we should care about Moses when it comes to Jesus. So in John 1, beginning in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Moses said, I choose you over the promise. And he got to see God's back. Jesus came and said, I am the promise. And all of us get to see God face to face. Now... The shell game can still cause you to miss it. Because there were plenty of people who saw Jesus and didn't see God. There were many, many people who saw Jesus throughout his whole ministry, throughout his whole life, but they missed God. So the question that I want you to think about when we think about the difference between Moses and Jesus is I want you to think about Jesus, the guy who Moses was begging to see, is yours today. You get to see him today. Not necessarily like we will in the afterlife. We're in this already not yet tension between what is now and what will be. And someday we'll see him face to face in a way that will change everything. But you know what? That day can also be today. That's the cool thing about Christianity. When Jesus, who is the eternal son of the Father outside of time, died on the cross and rose again, he made himself present to all of us every day. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so as we think about this moment of Advent where we're preparing the way of the Lord, who are we praying for? Jesus is coming. Let's remember that if we aren't seeing Jesus in our day to day, if we aren't encountering God, it's not because he isn't there. It's because we need to prepare the way. And that means something different for everybody. That means something different for everybody. But I promise you that if you will open yourself to what God wants to do this Advent, He will open your eyes to see Him work in your life. 
I don't know what that will mean for you or me, but I know that I want that. I want that every Advent. I want to know how to see God, to see Jesus. Okay, so we've got Moses, and he comes down from the mountain. He's got the shining face. He's leading the people of Israel. Why in the world was Moses forbidden to enter the promised land? What happened? I'm going to tell you a quick story. Let's not even throw the scriptures on the screen because it'll just be confusing. I'm going to sum it up. It's a little easier. They get to a place where there is no water once again. And you think, the Israelites have done this. We played this game. There is no water. God, why didn't you leave us in Egypt to die? God provides water. There is no food. God, why didn't you leave us in Egypt to die? There is no food. God provides food. They've done this over and over and over again. And just like you and me, they get to the place where there is no water. And their first instinct is to say, God, there is no water. Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt to die? But there's another wrinkle this time. Because Moses' sister just died. We're literally told one verse, Moses' sister died, and the next verse, and there was no water, and the people called out to Moses and said, why didn't you leave us in Egypt? Moses is in a place of grief. He's in a place of mourning. He's in a place where he's more sensitive. Every time Moses has responded correctly, he's gone to God and he said, your people, like, I will do whatever you need me to do. He's responded correctly. And then this one time, he had a moment of weakness in his life. So let's talk about what happened here. Yahweh says to Moses, take your staff, get the people together, speak to the rock, and water will come out. Now, we've already seen it before, right? He struck the rock, the water came out. We know that we're told in the New Testament that the rock where the water comes out is Jesus. And just like Jesus was stabbed on the cross and water flowed out of his side, the rock represents Jesus who was struck and water flowed out. But Moses, who got the word from God, I'm going to speak to the rock, the water's going to come out. He gets the Israelites together, and he's had enough. And he says, hear now, you rebels. I love that. Hear now, you rebels. It's like he means it, you know, as like a serious insult. Shall we bring water for you out from this rock? Catch that? Shall we bring water for you out from this rock? He's talking about him and Aaron. Who's bringing the water out from the rock? Is Moses going to stab this rock and water's going to come out? Or is God going to bring the water to water the people? So Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock of his staff twice. With his staff twice. And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And Yahweh said to Moses, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So we just got finished talking about how Moses is our hero, who we look up to because he chose God instead of the promise. Because he led the people before God. He lived his whole life for God. And now we have him make the fatal misstep. Well, guess what? When things are going well in your life, it's pretty darn easy to make this misstep. There's two big ones, pride and disobedience. The first one, I think, leads to the second one, right? He thinks, I'm the one who have done the wonders. And they're getting mad at me complaining about God. When they say, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Moses is like, you ungrateful people. 
I have led you out of Egypt. Something is happening in his head. He's starting to think, I've done this. I've done this over and over again. And he stops thinking about what God has done. And he starts thinking about what he's done. And not only that, but what he's had to put up with, let's say. What has he had to put up with? And he's in a time of mourning. He's mourning his sister who just passed. And so I'm just weaving that in there because I do think we need to humanize our heroes in the Bible. We need to understand that, yeah, guess what? If you were in that position, you probably would have done the same exact thing. So where's the hope here? Even if you live a great life, even if you're the greatest hero in all of the Old Testament, Moses is the greatest hero in the whole Old Testament, you can still lose at the end. So, whoa, you evil sinners. Is that the message today? Part of the message. It's part of the message. But there's more. Because with God, there's always more. So God said, you don't get to see the promised land because you took this into your own hands. And man, if that was the only requirement for the promised land, I'm out. I have not been able to resist taking my own life into my own hands time and time again. But there's hope. Why is there hope? Because there's another story. There's a New Testament. I'm going to go to the New Testament story and then we'll end with how Moses dies. There's this thing called the transfiguration. And it's this moment where Jesus reveals, it's, it, let, let, me, let me say it this way, it is revealed that Jesus is the glory of God. He was always the glory of God, but the curtain is pulled back and his apostles, Peter, James, and John, get to see Jesus in his glory. And who is standing next to him? Moses. And who got to see the face of God? Moses. And who got to be in the promised land? Moses. All it took was for him to die. So yes, Moses didn't get to get to the land of milk and honey, Canaan, right? The consequences of his action were that he didn't get to get there. But God met him in death when Jesus died on the cross and said, come with me. We're going to the promised land. Praise God. And each of us, when we die, Jesus meets us and says, come with me. We're going to the promised land. That is the hope. Now, I think he would have loved to go to Canaan. And so, man, don't think that you are better than God. It is dangerous, and it will result in tragedy. He didn't get to taste the land of the milk and honey. And I am certain that that was a very sad moment for Moses. But the Advent message is prepare the way of the Lord because Jesus is coming, even if time and again you have made the same mistake as Moses. So let's talk about Moses' death because I think it speaks to us today. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 34, beginning in verse 4. And Yahweh said to him, well, God takes Moses up on a mountain. That's where we're at. This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, that I will give to your offspring. There's a real sense, oh, sorry, I have not let you see it with your eyes. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Every one of us, at some point in our life, has a moment 
where God, if we follow him, will let us see what he's doing for our offspring. Let me phrase this a little differently. If you live your life according to the ways of the Lord, if you follow him every day of your life, then your offspring will benefit into the future. And you get to be aware of what God in his mercy has done in your life for your children and your children's children. Let me add a caveat. If you're never married, if you never have kids, guess what? The whole people of God are Moses' offspring in this story. He's not saying your sons. He's saying the people of God. And in the same way, when you're a part of the body of the Lord, the people who come after you in the house of the Lord are your offspring. You get to take the blessings of being that grandfather, that grandmother in the Lord with you. If you follow him, if you serve the church, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, if you pass on. And so what I'm saying here is Moses' death is the same as all of us. We don't get to see the promised land in this lifetime. We get to live in the kingdom as God has said. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But we don't necessarily, most of us, most likely, I'm putting some extra things here because Jesus could show up tomorrow, right? And the whole world would just be transformed. But most of us die without seeing Jesus return and create the new heaven and the new earth, the promised land, capital letters all over the place. But if you live according to the ways of the Lord, you get to look and see what God is doing through your life and in the future. And when you're 21 years old, that doesn't make a lot of sense to you. It's easier to see what's happening this weekend. But if you let him, God will change your perspective. And he will start to elongate your time frame. And suddenly the thing you do today is going to matter in a hundred years. The ways that you love people today could matter for eternity. And so the other call of Advent, besides preparing the way of the Lord in your heart, we know, like I said, is preparing the way of the Lord for the world. How do you do that, though? Well, you've got to love the people you're with. And so as we think about Moses' end, and there's this great... Uh, line, it says, his eye was undimmed and his vigor was unabated. That's what I want to be when I die. And Moses is 120 years old, but his eye was undimmed and his vigor was unabated. What did he do? He kept his eyes on Jesus. He kept his eyes on God. Because if you look towards anything else, it will blind you. It will dim your eyes. And his vigor was unabated. What did he use his life force, his energy for? To serve God. Because if you serve any other master, it will suck the life out of you. And so on that happy note, we end our Advent series or our sermon today with saying, prepare the way of the Lord and you will see the glory of God. Today, next week, this Christmas. And prepare the way of the Lord for those around you by loving them well because you will see generations of blessing based on what you do today. Amen? Brothers and sisters, with readiness to welcome Christ, who comes each day with mercy and grace, let us open our hearts and present our needs to him. That the church, like John the Baptist's voice in the desert, will never cease proclaiming the truth, even under the most difficult circumstances.
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That God will pour out his grace, enabling the nations of the world to live at peace with one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That governments will heed the call of the gospel to respect all life and eliminate the practices of abortion and euthanasia in our lifetime. Lord, in your mercy, that those who defend us at home and abroad will be protected by God's grace and strengthened by our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, that we will remember the poor, the sick, the lonely, and the dying through our prayers and good works. Lord, in your mercy, that we will seek the kingdom of God above of God above all else. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy. Rejoice that our redemption is near. Hear our prayer. Prepare our hearts for the return of your Son who lives and reigns with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor to peace. Out on the, in the foyer on the table, you'll find the list of all the things that I'm asking Santa Claus for this Christmas. And if you want to have a copy of it, you, I'm just kidding. What's up, Phil? First of all, a cookie exchange apparently went really well. Uh, I do know the display, who the person who won the display, and that was Haley Harris. Haley Harris, all right. <laughs> She made a life-size uh, version of the uh, gingerbread house of, uh, of St. Michael's. No, not life-size. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, it was scaled down quite a bit, but it was, it, it was very, the dimensions were amazing. And, and it was a really nice, uh, really nice uh, uh, gingerbread house of St. Michael's. And who won the tasting contest? Your wife, uh, Kristen Batterson. Kristen, she won the tasting contest. All right. Ah, a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, thanks and giving. Marie is uh, your contact person for this. She is putting together a penny drive that's today for our food ministry. And so if you'll see Marie. Marie, when would you like? Are you there back there, Marie? There you are, Marie. Do you want to talk to them after the service? How does that work? How are we doing this? Yeah.
Okay. All right. That sounds good. And then uh, our Christmas services, uh, where are they at? They're up here on the slide somewhere. There, there you go. There they go. Look at that. Christmas Day, you'll see them. They're all there. The St. Stephen's Day. We don't have Christmas Eve up, and that is on Saturday. The There it is, Christmas Eve, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. And I think they're going to have uh, um, Mrs. Powell, are they singing? Is it Christmas Eve? No, it's the 18th. I'm sorry, 18th. 18th. We'll have some. We'll have a special treat on the 18th. Uh, the Winter Youth Retreat, February 2nd through the 4th. See Thomas Batterson. I'm trying to see if he's in here right now. See, gosh, man, I, where am I at? Thomas. Well, that, that looks cold. I'm sorry. Well, I, he usually is over here. So, Thomas, you want to come up here and say something? Facility to do youth retreat this coming February. Uh, I really do need RSVPs if we can. We've lowered the cost to $75 um, per participant, um, and we're definitely digging in with the community. If you feel inclined in any way to scholarship money towards the entire fund, I'll have more more idea of total costs and things that we're expecting. Um, but for them to just have an awesome retreat with Kristen and I um, up in the snow, it's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, we're excited for it. Um, also, we have extras from the cookie day yesterday that we're turning around into a bake sale today to stay away from the kids' bake sale. So we're going to have a bake sale out after church. You can actually donate money to the youth program through the app on your phone, or we do take cash, or I can work out a way to Venmo. Um, I do know we have extras of uh, the best-tasting cookie. <laughs> so... I made sure they were out of my house. Please take them. Absolutely. Actually, they're down to 20 from 30. <laughs> the best. Thank you. Um, two, uh, two big things coming up are the Viking food distribution. That's on Sunday, December 18th. Uh, that's the 7.30 pickup of food for um, our uh, food, uh, food ministry, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Again, come see me, and then also the Spark of Love Toy Drive. Mrs. Johnson, uh, Kelly, do we have a date for that? Or Shannon, do we have a date for when we're going to be distributing the toys? Next Saturday morning. Anyone who would like to help out with that, please see Kelly or Shannon and uh, work that out. Tomorrow's Society. Um, please come out tomorrow. We're going to have two key, key people missing. One is Father Ed is going to be gone. He's in Texas. And, uh, and he comes out. He gets us started, and he's a really key player there. So please, if you can, come out. And then Kelly will be gone as well. Uh, so if you can help out with that. That's a great way, too, if you want to prepare your hearts for Advent or for Christmas, is to come out and help with society. And then lastly, we're going to have a, quick, we're going to have a short acolyte meeting right after this service. If you're interested in being an acolyte, please come see, uh, come right after service. A few of you already know about it, but if you didn't hear about it, please meet me, uh, Eric and I, right after the service. Thank you. All right, let's continue. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings 
out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For when he humbled himself to come among us as a human flesh, he fulfilled the plan you formed before the foundation of the world to open for us the way of salvation. Confident that your promise will be fulfilled, we now watch for the day when Christ our Lord will come again in glory. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave him thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, Take heed. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise, and he gave the cup to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ Christ is is risen, and and Christ Christ will will come come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember especially those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up to stay Susan, Naomi, and Sonia, and Sandra, and 
Karen and Tammy and Denise and Lori, David, Sissy and Carrie's family, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those who serve in our armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father. We are proud to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Lamb, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them to remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called.
That's our young people. 
We get a lot of young people out there that really want to help, and I'm just very proud of them, and I wanted to uh, just give them the same honor that uh, the rest of us adults get. And uh, Will, would you tell those guys to come in here? Uh, Levi, is Levi out there? Just tell them to come in real quick. Levi and Nick and all those, any other boys who are here? And there's several other ones, too. Uh, some high school students come out on a regular basis. And uh, I just want to, guys, we're just very proud of you guys for helping out with society. Thank you very much. And any names I didn't call again, uh, but I just really wanted to give them their, the honor they're due. Thank you. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and sickness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God is in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Best of all, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen.